tinfoil hat. Oh, what the fuck are you guys even talking about? Global controls will have to be imposed. And a world governing body will be created to enforce them. Welcome to tinfoil hat. We, 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 we go deep, homeboy. Eric, open your mind. Drink. You took my spotlight. You no, know, because you you totally weren't ready for it. Uh, dude, you did you were zoning out no. so bad right there. It's because Johnny, Johnny took me off. He kept going like no, that for you to go higher, totally and he never does out. it for me. He you never totally tells me to go harder out. on the rock. Zoned out hard. All right, I'll let it slide. That was good. Oh, he's letting it slide. Okay, <laughs> thank you. You're lucky. Thank you. Join me as always across the table is Xavier Guerrero. What's up? And then on the ones and twos, the man, the myth, the legend. Jay Nice, Johnny Wood. More syrup, man. More? Do you say more syrup? More syrup. How are you doing, man? Why you want more syrup? I love syrup. Dude, I do. I, I fucking love, syrup love maple too. syrup, dude. I love syrup. I'll kill maple, maple That's syrup. That's how you get heavy I legs. I kill for My syrup, jam. bro. That's how you get... <laughs> <laughs> I kill for I, syrup. Don't make fun of his condition, actually. Come on, dude. Hey, dude. That's how you get heavy cool. legs. That's how you get heavy no, legs. No, you get heavy syrup. legs by having... Faulty veins, bro, in your legs. Genetics. He's got bad genes. He needs Dude, gene therapy. to everybody who finally feels like they're part of something, with because they have super heavy legs, I just say we just know we understand. We're working on an SHL T-shirt. Oh, for real. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is there going to be a certain weight limit to buy them? Hey, dude, not cool. 2XL and up? Not cool, dude. (laughs) I'm sure there's some. Well, no, it's their legs that are heavy, not their shirts, man. If we were selling socks, Xavier's having a a real great day for asking questions today. He's been pure fire all day. day. Maybe we should sell socks, like compression socks for super heavy legs. Like like Brandon, you know? There you go. There you go. A little bit of concrete. $50. <laughs> Guys, uh, a lot of great things going on here. Uh, we You're going to get three episodes this week, man. Okay? You have the Eddie Bravo that just dropped. Everybody loves it. We got Ray Ray from China that just fucking dropped. Everyone's demanding that. We put it out because that's who we are. Stop trying to come at me. I'm doing it. Okay? And then finally, we got this great one uh, with Mark Gober. Uh, really, I thought it was a fucking great conversation. Nice mix. Smart this dude. week. Smart dude. Smart dude. Smart dude. Real great talk. Real great conversation about consciousness. I hope you guys enjoy it. Listen, we're about to start kicking it off, man. 2022 live shows in your face. The Hammer of the Gods Tour is coming for you. Okay? I got I got shows in Buffalo this weekend. Then we're in then Eddie Bravo, myself, these two guys. We're in Long Beach. Then we're in Bakersfield. Okay, that's the 28th, 29th. Grab your tickets right now. The first show is almost sold out. It's standing room only uh, tickets left there. And the second show is more than half sold out. And that will be packed as well. So grab your tickets now while you can. I gave you a discount on the second show. So if you buy both, you're already getting a discount. I'm taking care of you because I love you. Okay? Then we go into... uh, Then... 
I got tons of show. I, I mean, I got shows. I got so many shows. Just go to samtriplee.com, check them out. Please check out the February 19th show uh, with myself, Brian Callen, the first ever Conspiracy Social Club live debate, live on stage. Come join us there. Two shows. We got the debate show. Then we got stand-up comedy. Then I'm doing, at the end of February, shit is popping off. Three-city three, three city uh-huh. tour, three days, three cities. We go New Orleans, Nashville and then uh, Georgia. What's this picture of you? What is that actually? Dude, the, I, yeah, what I is, love it with the hammer, the hammer of the gods. Yeah. What is that? Who took that? That's so uh, funny. I did. That's at his house. No, you didn't take that. No, you no. Did. Dana Somebody, took oh, it. Yeah. Why? What's wrong? You look good. You're it's looking cool. Cool, cool, man. You definitely dropping the hammer. Just, I don't know how though. I feel about you, dude. It's Talk. almost like a candid. You know, like like you didn't know she was. Well, taking. because the front way you can't see the hammer. So I had to make sure you saw the hammer because it is the hammer of the gods. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there we go. Boom. Bam. Dropping hammer. Hammer of the gods. Yeah, it's all there. Nashville. It goes, it goes, yeah, dude, this calendar needs a little work on my computer. No, no, it looks great over here. It's it's on schedule. So we got, yeah, we got, we got New Orleans, Nashville, and then uh, Gainesville or Jefferson, uh, Jefferson, Georgia. Go grab those tickets. Bang, bang, pow. Uh, Tickets are moving quick. I love you all. Some new jokes, some new cities. I'm excited to go do New Orleans. I don't remember the last time I was in New Orleans. So I'm excited to go out there and do do a show out there. I like New Orleans. I can't wait to go there. Probably another city. I want to move cool to place. that nobody will let me move to. So we'll figure it out. So humid. We know, like right. to live there would be, that'd Hur- be tough. Hurricanes. To Forget that. Yeah, hurricanes. that's that's the biggest thing. Is bad, that's bad, bad. Is hurricanes. Nope. T-shirts. We got any great t- go. new T-shirts going out? Come on, come on. T-shirts. Go to tinfoilatt-shirts.com. They're hmm. really pure fire right now. Pure fire. We got a new one about to go up. We got the dares. We got the anti-vaccine vaccine club. Psyops versus everybody. I got Tim Folio. Tim Folio. I got Tim. I got I got conspiracies <laughs> for my bunghole. That's so funny. That looks just like you. They're all there. Disobey. It's a sure great way to support the show. If you also want to support the show and you're just three episodes are enough, how about another what? Seven episodes a week? Let's go. Oh, wow. I mean, yes. YouTube is garbage, bro. It's just garbage. It's all corporate garbage. Go to Rockfin. That's where the savages roam. That's where all the outlaws are. R-O-K-F-I-N.com. That's R-O-K-F-I-N.com. And you can get all my shows there. Tim Hat Premium, Zero, Conspiracy Social Club, First look at Broken Sim. We don't smoke the same. And the GOAT, if that ever happens again. So <laughs> just go check that out. And, 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 yeah. And and then if you want some more free shows, I have so many free shows. Just go to samtriplee.com and you'll see all my free shows. I got Tim Fall Hat, Broken Sim, Cash Daddy. Says, that is a financial show. Punch Drunk, a sports show. Zero. Back the the you have episodes from the vault of zero episodes from the vault of conspiracy social club punch drunk ten year anniversary next month oh, oh really shit. what day yeah. 
I, I think the 12th of February would be 10 years. Good. Glad we didn't set anything up for that. No. Uh, <laughs> so, And then also the union other wanted. I also have a 24-hour radio station on samtriplee.com. Now, if you want to follow me or just get in the mix, I'm not dropping bombs anymore on social media. I'm really not doing it. It's just for fun stuff now. If you want the bombs, bro, you want the bombs, dog? Ooh, I, You're I, looking I, for the bombs? You go to Tim Hat Only Conspiracies Telegram. And you just got to click the banner on samtriplee.com. It will take you right there. You're Bang. almost at 2,000. Almost at 2,000 people. But, dude, I'm dropping bombs there all the time. Guess what else I do? If Eddie sends me something, boom, I put it right there on it. Ooh, so that's... you get the good stuff. Give me that good stuff. That motherfucker. Oh, by the way, if you're going to go to any of Sam's shows and you're going to buy t-shirts, bring some cash. Sometimes the Wi-Fi ain't working and you can't get a t-shirt. Oh, that's in Long Beach. Yeah. The, wi- wi-fi, the Wi-Fi won't work, but I'm going to ask John about the Wi-Fi. Make sure it's all set up. All that more. Holla, holla. Dollar, dollars. Things are great. This is a great episode. Uh, I hope you guys enjoy. If you love our show, please go to uh, Apple Podcasts. Leave a five-star review. Man, Say- but- Say something nice about us. All right, guys. Hope you guys uh, enjoy the show. We love you very much. Hope to see you in Buffalo. Enjoy the show. We go deep, homeboy. Open your mind. Let's get into it here. I'm very excited to have this guest on. He was one of the original guests on Zero, and I'm very excited to have him on the big show. Please welcome. uh, He's an author. And he has a great podcast. Please welcome Mark Gober. How are you, brother? I'm great, Sam. Thanks for having me. Ah, oh, it's like it's like Groundhog's Day around here. Uh, <laughs> brother, good to have you on. Super excited. I thoroughly enjoyed our last conversation. It was really uh, insightful and uh, just really helped in my journey. You know, the last time we talked, we were right in the thick of all this chaos going on, this COVID, uh, what, the rioting, everything. So it was a really great time to talk to you, and I learned a lot from you. So for those who may not be familiar with you and uh, your work, can you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and where they can find you? Sure. Well, my, my background is probably unexpected given that I've now written books on the topic of consciousness and most recently on politics and economics. Um, but went to Princeton undergrad, very mainstream background, uh, went into investment banking in New York during the financial crisis. So I started in 2008 in the summer of 2008, it was crazy. Um, was not for me ultimately. And I decided to leave in 2010 and I I worked at a firm that does similar stuff, uh, but advises tech companies. So I moved to Boston, then to Silicon Valley. And this whole time working in this, in the mainstream business world, I thought life had no meaning. I thought that's what I learned. You know, I thought that was the implication of what I learned in school. And most people around me basically had that perspective. No one in my circles were particularly spiritual and neither was I. And I was kind of on this treadmill and I had made it to partner at my firm, um, and was, you know, on that track of just trying to achieve the next thing in 2016, I was listening to podcasts and that's how this whole thing started for me. I was listening to a show called extreme health radio at the time I was listening to lots of business and health shows. And that one just came on and a woman named Laura powers was invited on the show and she was talking about her psychic abilities and all kinds of stuff that I had never really thought about in a serious way, like working with energies, spirits, communicating with, you know, these non-physical beings. And 
at the end of that episode, she mentioned she had her own podcast called Healing Power. So I said, okay, well, you know, I, I live in San Francisco. My office is far away in Silicon Valley. I have a long drive. I'll just turn her podcast on. It's another one to listen to. And she interviewed lots of other people that were describing similar things. And then I started to look at the science behind it. And long story short, everything shifted for me in a big way and ultimately ended up writing my first book a year later called An End to Upside Down Thinking, um, which was published in 2018. Then I put out my podcast series, which is on similar topics in 2019 called Where Is My Mind? Then I decided to leave my firm in 2019. Um, it was just what didn't feel aligned. And I wanted to be on this path of trying to understand what we're doing here and why life matters and those sorts of things. So I left, wrote my second book and end upside down living, which is on the spiritual awakening journey. And Sam, that's what we talked more about last time. And since then wrote a third book, given all of the craziness with COVID and politics called an end to upside down Liberty, which basically combines thinking about politics with thinking about consciousness and why we exist. Perfect. So real quick, before we get deep into this, where can they find you if, uh, after this is done? They want to follow you. Thanks, Sam. Um, my website is my name, markgober.com, M-A-R-K-G-O-B-E-R.com. And my books are on Amazon, Kindle, Audible, and hard copies. And my podcast, Where Is My Mind, is on Apple, Podcast, Spotify, and all the major players. Mark, I'm really excited to talk to you because, you know, since we've last talked, I've been kind of just, obviously the world's gone even crazier. And I think you're the perfect person to talk to because I'm really getting into this and I'd love to hear your opinion because you may possess both of these things. I think as I've studied, as I've been in Hollywood, you've been in, in Salt Lake City, I've been in Hollywood uh, you've been in Silicon Valley and stuff like that. And I've been in Hollywood. You've been in New York and stuff like that. It's very interesting because I, I've, I've met some of the most intelligent people in my life that seem clueless about how the world works. Right. <laughs> so it, it becomes, it comes down to this thing like, uh, like data or, or like intelligence versus smarts. And what is the difference between that? And, you know, for me, it's, I've kind of come to see it as like data versus awareness and experience. What are your thoughts on that? Because I don't think that someone who is necessarily intelligent, you know, is a really smart person, insightful about like how the world works. And there, you know, and there's some people who might be illiterate that have a perfect understanding of how the world works, how people interact and all that stuff. Do you have any thoughts on that? I've been struggling with this myself, Sam, because a lot of people that I know who are very intelligent from a mainstream perspective, um, I seem to be missing what's happening in the world. And I don't fully understand it. So I have a few theories. One is trust in authority and trust in experts. The belief that, oh, well, this person's really smart. And he's on TV saying X, Y, and Z. And it's going to take a lot for me to overcome what that person said, because I know how smart that person is. And there's this kind of trust and a lack of maybe discernment sometimes that goes along with this. And then it starts to build on itself where you've created a theory based on all the things that you've heard. And it takes so much to overcome that. Like for me, I had to spend so much time researching to undo everything that I thought I knew. Um, and I just happened to be in a situation where I could do that. I had the willingness to do that. And I have so many people in my network when I talk to, uh, about these topics with them, they might say things like, that's really interesting. And then 
go on to the next thing. <laughs> yeah, or yeah, yeah. They, they might say, well, that's really interesting. You might be right. Um, and I don't want to rock my world. So I'm just going to stick with what I'm doing. And then you kind of end up in a hypnosis. All right, guys, I want to tell you about our friends at Athletic Greens. That's right. I started taking Athletic Greens because I wanted a fun way to get my multivitamins. And there is no better way than Athletic Greens. That's right. Tastes great. Does the work. Makes me feel amped, ready to fight crime. Okay? That's what I do. Every time I take Athletic Greens, I'm like, crime's going to go down in this neighborhood. Okay? That's how I roll. Okay? With one delicious scoop of Athletic Greens, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source superfoods, probiotics, and aptogens. Okay, yeah, to help you start your day right, the special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, your recovery, your focus, and aging. All things holla at your boy, okay? I love to throw a little orange juice, some athletic greens, some fruit in there, and then bang, bang, as I, I do it as I salute the American flag. <laughs> and when I finish, an eagle lands on my... On my shoulder, and we just sing the national anthem because I love Athletic Greens. That's right. It's a lifestyle, okay? And it's a lifestyle friendly. Whether you eat keto, paleo, keto, keto or keto, dude. I do keto, you do keto, okay? <laughs> paleo, vegan, dairy-free, or gluten-free does not matter. It is all good in the hood with them, okay? Contains less than one gram of sugar, no GMOs, no nasty chemicals, no artificials, okay? Tons of people take some kind of multivitamin, all right? Why not make it the best of the best, okay? It's important to choose a very high-quality fucking multivitamin with high-quality ingredients to get your body rocking, okay? It costs less than $3 a day. You're investing in your health, and it's cheaper than your cold brew habit. Come on, dude. Athletic Green has over five, over 7,000 five-star reviews, man. You know you want it. Right now, it's time to claim your health and arm your immunity system with convenient daily nutrition, especially heading into flu and cold season. It's just one scoop, uh, one scoop in a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for multiple millions of different pills and supplements. Okay. Just one simple scoop, bro. So this is what we're going to do. We're going to make it easy. Okay. Take it to make it easy. Athletic Green is going to give you a free one year supply of immune immune-supporting vitamin D, and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash tinfoil. Again, it's athleticgreens.com slash tinfoil to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. I have friends of mine that... You know, they could write you the greatest script you've ever read in your life. And you're like, this is like pure magic, this script. And then you ask them about like what's happening on a street level and they're just lost. They don't know the interaction stuff and, and the interacting between he, people on a, uh, you know, on a one-on-one -on -one basis or, you know, not that the streets is like the, you know, the, the barometer in which everything must be, you know, measured, but it's like, there's a different way of, interacting with people versus 
in boardrooms and offices and corporations. And, you know, it's like you got to the highest levels of academia. You know, it's like, like there's no higher level than what you've done. And, you know, I mean, so you understand, like, for me, it's like, how early does this start, this training going on that you're kind of talking about? I don't know if you want to use the word brainwashing, but the training <laughs> that goes on and, you know, this this whole thing that kind of like I, I noticed very early, it's like the people who followed the rules the best got rewarded in school and those who kind of weren't really interested in that, that way of operating got punished really hard and you know, and did you see that? And once you got into college in, in Princeton, I, I it's got to be even more, even a higher effect of that uh, in, in, in such a competitive place like that. Yeah. I think brainwashing is a good word. Mind control is another one. And I talk about this in my new book and end upside on Liberty. The essentially indoctrination starting from a young age in the school system where you're trained to, to think a certain way. Um, and you're also alluding to something that I've found, which is the desire to kind of like to please people and to follow the rules to make it to the next level, because that's what's required in a lot of at least what I've seen, whether it's academia, but also in the professional world, like investment banking um, is it's very political within the organization to make it to the, to get promotions, to make it all the way up to managing director. You have to follow the rules and get along with everyone and not really think outside the box too much. I mean, maybe within deals, you would think outside the box, but you have to fit a certain mold to try to, to get to the high levels. So when you go to a place like Princeton, there's a lot of pressure to, at least I experienced it to like, well, what's the next thing you're going to accomplish after you graduate? And a lot of people went into investment banking and consulting. And if you want to do that, then you have to do certain things. And then there's the next thing. And then there's the next thing. And it's ultimately a treadmill. That's what I realized. And I got off the treadmill, but I know so many people that stay on it. And ultimately there's a lack of meaning and, and purpose behind all of it, which I think lends um, it, it becomes, it's easier to follow that path without having a broader sense of why we exist. Yeah. And I think it's, it's just super interesting how people just, that were such wonderful human beings. Maybe when you met them early on in their journey, and then at some point down the line, you don't recognize these people because they're just, you know, twisting and conforming to this narrative that sometimes doesn't even make any sense. You know what I'm saying? It's like, mm -hmm. you know, it's just like when I watch Hollywood and like, uh, you know, um, what's being said in Hollywood and how like detached from reality it is. And, you know, it's almost like just like, uh, you know, what was that? Oh, what was that movie about the, uh, uh, the newscaster that the, co the comedy, um, with Will Ferrell, Anchorman. Anchorman, where he just reads off the screen and they'll say whatever. You see that happening where people are just saying the Autopilot. most ridiculous things to just to kind of throw up this, you know, virtual signaling that they're part of the team. And it, it doesn't even make any logical sense what they're saying, but it doesn't matter because, you know, like you're saying in the corporate world, the same thing in Hollywood there, there's so many green lights you have to get to get to this super high level that if you get one red light, you don't get the gig. I mean, do you remember in dope sick when that guy went to go steal the video cases, one red light out fired. If you don't play with their narrative as in like, Hey, you got to tell people these are addictive. Whoop -de -whoop, yeah, yeah, yeah. One red light. You're out. You're does, does, doesn't matter how many, how much money you've made them. You can prove them like, oh, I made you a million dollars. Like, nope, you're out. You don't play ball no more. And they're so you're so irreplaceable. You're, I mean, you're so replaceable where they don't care. 
Yeah, I, I completely agree with that. And they're just going to replace you yeah. with somebody else okay. who's willing to do it. Mm -hmm. So the whole narrative, the whole thing is like, if not me, it'd be somebody else. So I might as well do it, which I think is. Well, that's also a thing that they use to get you to conform to, though, because they can tell you, hey, it's just going to if it's not you, it's going to be somebody else. That's what you tell people in the army. Yeah, but we're seeing it now, like you saw in China. It's not necessarily the case anymore. People, you know, there are so many people that are like, wait, why the fuck would I want to go over to somebody else's country and sweat my ass off? So the numbers in the army are down, you know, I mean, they're really recruiting their dicks off. Yeah, I mean, and it's, and yeah, and that's a whole different discussion because in people China. are waking up to like how they treat our vets when they come home. And I think exactly. people it's are terrible. like, why would I do that? It's yeah. just a song and a dance. But as we get from academia to spirituality and stuff like that, you know, there's, I, I think this is like one of the most interesting conversations. It's like science versus spirituality. And we see that a lot. We see scientism becoming like the, the dogma of, uh, you know, these kind of uh, progressives. You, you know, it's like people can't wait to get into the metaverse. But if you tell them about heaven, they're like, eh, gross, right? But the metaverse is kind of like this super duper woke heaven. Right? It's like I can be whatever I want, do whatever I want. Well, it sounds like this like higher paradise. And, and so I, my question is like, and maybe we talked about this last time you were on, but I'd love to get, get your take again is like things like the laws of physics, right? Like I think the laws of physics were put in place so we wouldn't believe that there's something magical out there that isn't necessarily something we can measure with science right like momentum right like i don't how would you measure momentum we all feel momentum but like oh dude the momentum change in this boxing match it's but how do you measure that do you, what are your thoughts on all that mark well one of the big challenges we all face is we have ordinary senses like vision taste taste touch hearing right and those are limited our sensory organs are limited in what they can actually perceive. So the stuff that we're talking about, once we get into the spiritual dimension, we're talking about things that we're not ordinarily perceiving. And we're saying, well, those things exist, even though right now I can't perceive it. I can't even, I can explain it to you in the abstract, but not concretely. Um, but to me, things like physics and other areas of science are pointing us to that greater reality. And just to summarize the, the reality that I talk about in lots of my books and what I, where I think science points us is the idea that everything is consciousness. So when I say consciousness, I'm talking about our sense of experiencing life. So right now it's my consciousness that is having this experience. My consciousness listens to my thoughts. And the idea is that to, to use an analogy from a philosopher, Bernardo Castrup, it's like we're in, a, in an infinite stream of water where water represents consciousness. And each of us is a whirlpool within that stream. So we have a sense of being an individual, but we're interconnected as part of this broader infinite consciousness together. And that's just an analogy. But when you start talking that way, Sam, it's like, it's most people, it's like they're thinking about what they have to do at work the next day or things with their family. These are really abstract topics for me though. To me, these are the most fundamental topics because they inform what we do in our everyday life. We have to start with, well, why do we even exist and who are we? man these are just some wonderful questions that i find so interesting and then you know and we'll, we'll get into your your research but just based on a little bit 
that I've heard from you. I just compare what you're saying and what I, what I'm feeling from you versus like what is pushed in pop culture and and mainstream media. And I I just feel like it couldn't be more opposite those two, what you're saying right now (laughs) and what, what they're, they're basically brainwashing people to believe. I mean, just in the last three years, like what we've been told, what we've been put through versus what like people like you are starting to learn. And, you know, I, I, I'm talking to people like you on my, on this show and other shows and what they say is like what they've learned about the universe and it couldn't be more opposite and then you go how do you get it that wrong and it's baffling unless you go maybe it's done purposefully maybe they're doing this so they're they get us to lower our 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 frequency our vibration our connection with others and when we don't connect with others maybe we die on the vine you know uh slowly and so i find it all interesting man so Let's get into like what basically is the the basic question of all of your work to, uh, so far. Let's get into that. Yeah. So I mentioned consciousness, the, the sense of experiencing life. And when I first started my research in 2016, listening to those podcasts, I learned about lots of uh, psychic phenomena or phenomena suggesting that when we die, our consciousness continues. And what I realized about all these different things, whether it's telepathic abilities, near-death experiences, children who remember past lives, they seem like they're somewhat different, even though they're all kind of paranormal sounding. They, they all relate to this a fundamental question of what, where does our consciousness come from? And the question, which Science Magazine actually called the number two question remaining in all of science, and I'll paraphrase it, is how is it that our brain creates consciousness? Now, why is that such a big question? Because our brain, like our body and the world that we're in, is physical. It's made out of physical stuff that you can touch. Consciousness, I can't touch consciousness, but I'm experiencing it. And if I didn't have consciousness, I wouldn't even be able to ask the question. So this is the big question. It's known as the hard problem of consciousness. How is it that something physical, like a body and a brain, creates consciousness. Now embedded within that question is the assumption that consciousness does come from the body, does come from the brain, does come from the physical world. And what I argue is that it's the reverse. And many others argue this too, is that the material world isn't producing consciousness through bodies, through human beings and other living beings, but it's the other way around. That consciousness is fundamental And the physical body is a vessel through which consciousness has an experience. So our identity is not our body, rather it is consciousness. And when this hit me, I mean, you might imagine where I was coming from. I I thought it was the other way around. When you die, because consciousness comes from the body, I thought, when you die, that's the end of it. So you can try to make meaning in your life, but it's ultimately random and meaningless and you're going to die anyway. And then I realized, whoa, there's a lot of evidence suggesting it's the other way around. And I was totally disoriented. I'm probably still adjusting to it. It's just, it's a huge shift. I am. uh, Okay. So let's just try. So, because that's some heavy shit you just dropped, right? (laughs) That's some heavy shit. It's like, so a lot of people believe we are, you know, the masses probably would believe you're, you are your body, right? Mm -hmm. And what you're saying is, that our our consciousness is who we are and our bodies are just an expression of that or is it a is a tool of our consciousness in order to experience this reality am i anywhere near that yeah that's how i think about it which is uh it's so counterintuitive to the way we experience things and the only way you can actually uh, 
believe that fully and really internalize it is to accept the idea, which you were alluding to, Sam, that we, we sort of know this at some level and it's been obstructed. It's been blocked, whether it's through our sensory organs, through brainwashing, through media manipulation, et cetera. Um, our true nature is being obscured. Yeah, man. So, so to kind of get what you're saying here, maybe I'm wrong. Tell me if this analogy is wrong. It is like, it is what a costume at a Halloween party is to our body, right? In a weird way in that it's this presentation, but it's not really who we are in, in a weird way, right? Like, like our, our consciousness wears our body as a presentation. Would, would that be a way of like reincarnation? No, that's not reincarnation. That is uh that's a separate issue. What I'm saying is you're, and maybe I'm wrong here, but consciousness here, this is how uses your body as a presentation of its essence in a weird way. Am I close on that? I'm trying to make this uh, digestible for people like me who flunk first grade. So it's like, it's, it, this is a presentation of your essence. Yes. It's a presentation of your essence and a way of having an experience. Like my, I'm having a different experience because I'm in this body versus you and your body. And each person has a different unique experience. And to XG's point, and maybe we'll get to this later, there is a reincarnation is very much possible yes. within this idea because it's like the consciousness re is recycled within this stream and forms a new whirlpool and has different experiences so that it can learn. So, so, so do you think that our, our consciousness picks our physical form as, as a way to have to experience its, its journey through this realm? Big question. There is evidence. So at the University of Virginia, they have a division of perceptual studies where they've looked at over 2,500 cases of young children who have memories of an alleged previous life. And sometimes the children are, the, the researchers can verify what the child is describing through historical records. Sometimes the children have birthmarks or physical deformities that align with how the person died in the previous life. And in the best cases, the researchers have medical records to verify this. And I mention this because in many of the cases that the children describe this previous life, they also talk about an intermission period between lives. And this also comes up in a, I would say a less scientifically rigorous area of hypnosis. When people go under hypnosis, they talk about this too, that there was a period of before they came into the body and they chose a certain body. Um, in my second book, An End Upside Down Living, I mentioned someone who was not under hypnosis and as an adult, and he talked about this very same process where it came to him. He had a memory of essentially, he said it was like on an iPhone where you double click and you have multiple screens you can see. What? He was able to see the potential lives that he would have with different parents and Whoa. the learning he would have with those different uh different incarnations. So it's very, it's possible. I, I can't verify it, but there are many people who talk about this, that there is a choosing before birth, which at some level, it might be a choosing where you're actually you as the individual whirlpool on some level saying, I want to have that learning experience. But I've also heard people, even one woman I interviewed for my podcast, she was saying that it was almost like she was coerced. She remembers before coming into her body where it was like, these other beings were saying, look, you got to come into this body. It's going to be tough, but you got to do it. Yeah. 
Um, so I don't know what's true. I think it's all possible, but it's, it's all possible. even the possibility changes everything, right? Yeah. You haven't had any weird experiences with your babies where they're like looking at some weird things or they say hi to things because they always say kids can see things oh, yeah, or feel for sure. things. You've they, noticed they it say, where you're oh, like, yeah. yeah. Dogs do that too. They'll look in the weird corner, stay up there. You're like, okay, you're seeing something I can't see at this moment for sure. But you know, it's like, I don't know, Johnny, you're a nerd dork, right? You, uh, you, you know, sci-fi stuff. Like how early were we having these images of, you know, people picking their avatar? It like how far back in sci-fi do we remember that? Because what he's describing we, sounds like exactly like what the metaverse is going to be, right? Yeah, where I, mean, you're I gonna, think you first see that in like religion too, right? Like where where you just pick where you go, and it's like and the especially reason, the Eastern religions. The reason I bring that up is because that might be why we have somewhat been corralled into this kind of way of entering the metaverse, right? Like because the because it's it's how we come here. So that's just a natural way of mimicking that because it's what we know, right? The the people who make these things and talk, you know, you talk to Google, Google says they've talked to the old ones before, you know, and yeah. and, and, and whether it's in religion, whether it's, you know, uh Buddhism or um how the the Zetas like like talking about all this stuff. It's just super interesting, man. It's like, is this the metaverse for the universe? Mm. Yeah. Do you I, I, do you have a sense, uh, Mark, that there are other? I mean, this seems to be we Hinduism. know we know that this is one program that the universe seems to be running. Are there other paths that uh, have you heard about? Other paths, like instead of incarnating, are there other training sims out there? You know, for for consciousnesses to. To take on, uh, have you have you heard of anything like that? It's a great question. I mean, everything that I learned in my research suggests that we live in some kind of a multi-dimensional reality. So there's one consciousness, but there's like infinite possibility and and maybe infinite types of experience. Mm. So I would guess there are probably other ways to have this learning experience, and us on Earth is one way of having the experience. But I also find. I mean, there's a lot of evidence suggesting that there is extraterrestrial intelligence or multidimensional intelligence, like John Mack, for example, a Harvard psychiatrist, Pulitzer Prize winner. He studied many cases of people that claimed they were abducted by these other intelligences, and he concluded that they weren't hallucinations, that they were real experiences. Um, but there are also people, uh, one woman named Dr. Linda Bachman, who does past life regression hypnosis. Again, many people would say this isn't the most scientific, um, even the university of Virginia professor, Dr. Ian Stevenson, he said there were some cases that he couldn't explain under hypnosis, even though he tried to dismiss the whole thing. So maybe we can learn something. And I mentioned that because this is a woman who, uh, was a traditional psychologist and then started to do hypnosis and taking people to past lives. And she said, spontaneously, many people described previous lives on other planets like independently. And she wasn't an alien type person. She wrote a book about this. And there are many reports of this as well. Like Mary Rodwell talks about children that have memories of being on other planets. I, I mentioned all this, Johnny, because it, it gets to your question of, are there other places where we could have a learning experience? Like, is it just the human body? I would say there's probably infinite possibilities of, of the way that consciousness can have a learning experience through different types of vessels. Interesting. Now, have you, I know that religion, especially Eastern religions have a, 
you know, a sense of leveling up, to use a modern uh, phrase. Is that is that something in your research that you've seen uh, from from actual reports, or is that something that's mostly confined to to religious experience? It seems that is the case that we are we're trying to like to get to the next level, almost like a video game or something. <laughs> that we're trying to improve our consciousness. That's the the top priority of life, actually. At least that's what my research is telling teaching me so that we're here to to try to get to the stages of enlightenment. That's what some would call it on in, in the religious traditions talk about it in different ways. So we're trying to level up and improve. And actually there's a phenomenon in the near death experience called the life review. So the near death experience is where a person, let's say they have cardiac arrest, they're clinically dead or they have some kind of trauma to their body where their brain shouldn't be capable of producing uh, memories or clear cognition or clear senses. And yet when the person comes back, sometimes they say, Oh, I was hovering over my body and I saw X, Y, and Z and the doctor and the other people in the room say that's accurate. <laughs> so those are called veridical out of body experiences, meaning what they experienced was verified, meaning it's not a hallucination. And I preface that with before talking about the life review, because the life review might not be a hallucination and the life review is where people relive their lives in a flash And this is during the near-death experience. So their body's out of it. Um, And they relive events also, not only through their own eyes, but through the eyes of people that they impacted. So for my podcast, Where Is My Mind? I interviewed Danian Brinkley, who's had four near-death experiences. Four. Wow. So question how, I question how he's living his life. Yeah, honest, yeah what so, are you right? doing, bro? You live in dangerous. He was struck by lightning, open heart surgery twice, and brain surgery. When I interviewed Whoa. him, he had just had his fourth near-death experience. I knew about three before I interviewed him, and he goes, well, I was just had another one. <laughs> but each time he had a, a near-death experience, he had a life review that he was able to remember. Not everyone does. So Dr. Bruce Grayson from the University of Virginia finds that roughly 25% of the cases he studied people have a life review that they remember. We don't know why that is, but in any case, Danian talked about reliving his combat days in Vietnam. And he told me he was vicious in combat. So he had to relive the deaths of the people that he killed in combat through their eyes. And he also said that he felt the pain of the children that would no longer have a father because he had killed the father, even though he said it wasn't quite as strong. So he felt the indirect effects. Now, this is pointing, this is like a direct experience of one consciousness. Somehow, when the consciousness is liberated from the brain, the brain actually limits our experience, I think. When it's liberated from the brain, it's able to like switch lenses and live through different whirlpools outside of space and time or something. And he comes back into his body. He became much less materialistic, like many other experiencers. He also became a hospice volunteer. So in his later life reviews, which at the time he didn't know he was going to have, each time he had a life review, he started from the beginning of his life. And in his later life reviews, he got to be the person at the bedside who was dying while he was comforting that person. And he got to feel the goodness of that. So what people say coming back from the life review, whether it's Danny Brinkley or many other people, they say the little things are the big things in life. That's what you care about in your own life review. So it's not how big your house is or what kind of car you drive or how much money you have. It is how you treated people. So there's another example of a woman or someone who treated someone poorly, uh, the cashier poorly in line, and then in the life review experienced what it was like to be all the other people in line because that person had been mistreated and was in a worse mood. Oh, man. We're just like, oh, dude. Sounds like it's going to take a long time. Oh, man. I'm like, oh, dude, that was not nice to that cashier that one day. (laughs) Uh 
Dude, but this is so interesting, man. And this is like, this is why I started Zero for these conversations, because I think these are the most important conversations. And, you know, and, and this is the conversations that give me hope to everything going on. I don't know who the elites are. I don't know, like, are, are they, you know, here we'll get into the more craziness are they lizard people are they low frequency entities did they make deals with uh you know archons or whatever the conversation is i don't know but you know when i hear these stories i go you know these people whoever they are and whatever they represent aren't bigger than the universe and that's mm -hmm. my god honest belief man and it's just like they can do whatever they want for as long as they want to try to lower our frequency but at the end of the day man they're not bigger than the universe no matter how powerful they are. And Klaus Schwab could be the most powerful man on the planet, or he's just below whoever that is. And they're still not bigger than the universe. Can and we, can we ask about them real quick? Those dark, those, is there any sense of incentive, like what the incentives are for those people who have what we would term as, you know, dark motives and, 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 or, you know, spreading pain, uh, in their yeah. lifetimes? Well, it's clear they don't have the same incentive structure, right? <laughs> yeah. Or, yeah, they've somehow been manipulated. That's what it seems to me. <clears throat> that if if the near-death experience cases are true and also what people describe in psychedelics like DMT or meditation, enlightenment experiences, everyone says oneness and unconditional love. That's the nature of reality. Whether we feel that every day or not, that's the base level of the one consciousness. But that's, so the paradox here, this is what's really hard to grasp, is that at some level, there's no individual like i don't exist none of us in exist individually because there's only one consciousness at another level we are individuals so they're both true at the same time that's the paradox now i want to get to what you're asking which is basically like how does how do we explain evil and so to me evil is the obstruction of the light the obstruction of the unconditional love how that happens if maybe it's through manipulation or it can be through like temptation um, i'm reminded of a story one of my favorite spiritual teachers david hawkins it sounds like he reached very high levels of enlightenment if you compare his experience to many others. And he said when he was reaching the super high states, this basically a voice came to him and was like, you transcended all of your personal karma. So all power is yours. You can have power over everyone. Take it. And he was like, wait a second. I am everything. So I don't need power over others. I'm going to reject this. And he calls it the Luciferic temptation. He claims he was shown the beings that didn't take the temptation and the beings that did take it. And what happened to the people that took the temptation is basically they had a karmic fall where they had to start all the way at the beginning. Oh. So it's almost like we're being tested um, each individually. And maybe some people are taking the bait, but they're learning through that. And also we're learning through their evil. And that, this is a really tough concept that I've been trying to grapple with is like even the most evil stuff we could imagine it is evil. And at the same time, it's enabling some kind of learning. And I think as a planet, that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to transcend all that. Dude, that, uh, it's very interesting. I also have this theory that some of these, whatever this is, man, it is a, a very high-end production, right? <laughs> like, it's a high-end HBO, HBO good. Right, like, no, dude, we're talking, like, Apple TV good. Right? Like, <laughs> and um, within that production, there, there are, I think, actors... You know, I often say I, I feel like this thing is like a haunted house. Like Westworld? Yeah, like, yeah. Like there there are things here that are here to 
interact with us and in a weird way manipulate us one way or the other to have an experience why we're here you know which gets us in the consciousness okay, do you have any thoughts on that Mark? i i think it's part of our evolutionary process is to have this learning experience and everyone is sort of playing a role but in that within that role that I think karma based on the near death experience and children with past lives, karma is a very reasonable idea. So for the people that are doing evil, that are, that are doing things that are contrary to unconditional love, it can't be good for their individual karma. But at the grand level, we are somehow learning something from that. I, I totally believe that man. I think it, it, it explains who, who these people are, what they're doing, which brings us to our next question. If we're talking consciousness, that means uh, an awareness, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Do you think there's people in this reality that might not have consciousness that might be what they call NPCs that mm, are just yeah. here to add texture to the haunted house? Mm. The short answer is I don't know. But to me, the whole universe at some level is consciousness. There is only consciousness and consciousness is having experiences through physical stuff. And a human body is one example of it. And I, I think that like biological creatures have some kind of a tuning mechanism, almost like an antenna that we're tapping into that intelligence in ways that maybe like a machine an artificial intelligence isn't. And even like uh, a man named Federico Fagin, who invented the microprocessor from Intel. So he's a big artificial intelligence guy. And he talks about this from the level of consciousness because he had a huge awakening himself where he felt the oneness spontaneously. I wrote about this in my new book, Unbelievable Case, where he felt the oneness. Uh, he talks about uh, consciousness and how machines won't be able to create new consciousness, whereas a human being is a, like a, a vessel for it there might be machines that are not vessels in the same way. So, you know, I, I don't know, Sam, it's possible at this point. I feel like I don't know anything. So I'm open-minded. That's the best place to be. You're like, I don't know anything, <laughs> dude. It's the best. So we're getting into consciousness here. Like, where do you think it, it consciousness resides? Like, is it our heart? Is it our mind? Is it like just floating in this body? Like, like, where do you think it is? I mean, that, to sound kind of dumb i know it sounds oh, gonna laugh at don't this don't worry about that does You're it there. does it uh when you die does it weigh anything i've seen people try to weigh a body and be like oh it's spirit left it weighs it's wait 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 oh, you saw people weighing a body like in a video yeah I mean, oh. he, he yeah. watches youtube too. yeah youtube video probably it's like they'll <laughs> I thought it was like some weird like, mexican so shit it's it weighs like, like something pounds yeah it's it's ounces. oh it's like 21 grams or yeah, that, those like experiments that. yeah quote unquote experiments is that part of his consciousness consciousness I've heard that about that too. I don't know um, if it has a weight to it, but I've like, I haven't seen studies on that. Although I've heard many people say that there is some kind of a weight that leaves the body. It's interesting. So where do you think consciousness resides? Is it an energy? Is it, is it just stillness? Your like brain? Like, is it your brain? Is it your, is it your heart? Is it, is it in your throat? Is it in your <laughs> chakras? Like where, where would you say yeah. this is? It's a great question. So I've spent a lot of time looking at the brain because we, like, I didn't even know it was a question that whether the brain is what creates consciousness. I thought, of course the brain does, because we know from neuroscience, like when you change parts of the brain, like let's say someone gets in a car accident and has memory loss, we can point to the parts of the brain that were changed. We'd say, Oh, look, change the brain, change consciousness. The problem is, is that correlation doesn't always imply causation. 
So like, imagine you have a fire. This is Dr. Kastrup, the philosopher again. So if you have a fire, firefighters show up to put out the fire. You have a larger fire, more firefighters show up. Do we say that the firefighters caused the fire? Yeah. No, yeah. no, it could be the other way around. So I've spent a lot of time looking at this inverse that the brain is a filtering mechanism. So when you look at the near-death experience, for example, you cut out the brain, people have an enriched consciousness. Sometimes they talk about omnidirectional 360 degree vision, including people who have been blind since birth. There's a book called Mindsight. Dr. Kenneth Ring looks at people who have been blind since birth and they have near-death experiences and report being able to see. So there's something about knocking the brain out that gets people into this heightened state. Interesting, interesting. But I would say I I wouldn't end at the brain uh, because there are cases of organ transplant donations where the person allegedly who who gets the new organ has memories of the other person that they got the organ from. And there's one case I talk about in my first book and end upside down thinking, which goes through all these paranormal phenomena and the scientific evidence for them. Uh, uh, Dr. Paul Pearsall talks about this case of a little girl who received, I believe it was a heart and she started having nightmares of being murdered. And it got so vivid to the point they brought her to a psychiatrist and they're like, wait a second, this is actually a real murder she's describing. So allegedly, according to this case, they were able to figure out who the murderer was of the person that she got the heart from. No. <laughs> what? That's wild, dude. That's yeah. some crazy That's shit. And there are other cases too of people's personalities changing based on the organ they received. So back to your question, Sam, where does consciousness reside? So there's something about our biology that's picking it up in different ways. Oh my god, that's so. My, my homie like just got some wow. surgery on his on his shoulder. Yeah, he got a a, a graft from one of a, a dead guy. All of a sudden, he says he can uh, play basketball better. Wow, <laughs> I was like bullshit. But the guy was an athlete because <laughs> oh, they give really? you a pamphlet. Yeah, they give you a pamphlet of like who the guy was. You got to thank him. You know, the family one just wants to say thank you for taking his his graph bone or whatever. And this guy claims he plays better basketball. He is shooting some threes, but I was like, bro, <laughs> I wouldn't doubt it, man. I mean, I would not like, listen, don't dude. let LeBron find out about this. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, I mean, like it's so, it's like we say it, this, it's this, wherever we are is so much more interesting and complex and, and amazing. Well, one of the most disturbing experiments that I've seen in this consciousness uh, realm is these people who have the corpus callosum severed. Are you familiar with these stories of split brains? You know, people people who have severe epilepsy, one of the only remedies for that is to just split the brain down Whoa. the middle to separate the two hemispheres of the brain. And these people have half of their body can operate almost independent of the other half. Like, the, you know, they're here people like pulling their pants down, you know, to take a shit or whatever, and the other half pulling their pants back up. Oh, my God. Just weird. God. I mean, isn't it almost like it being at odds? Now, those are extreme cases. Right. The, the most, the study that you see about it is like they'll show an image like to only the left eye and then ask the guy to draw it, you know, the, the part of the brain that is actually conscious and speaking to draw it, and he won't be able to draw it, you know. But then they show the image of the other eye, and then he can draw it with his left hand, but he can't say it. You know what I'm saying? Isn't that? I mean, it's it's just to me that that challenges everything about consciousness. To me, it makes my head hurt. Yeah, I hate thinking about it. Really. What What do you What do you think about that? That's yeah. There's so much that we don't know, and that's why I think in anything, whether it's looking at the world or looking at why we exist, we have to be really humble and say we actually don't know that many things. I'll give a few other examples of these weird brain cases. Savant syndrome. So like the movie Rain Man, the character Dustin Hoffman played, 
unbelievable memory. Savants have mathematical abilities, sometimes uh, musical abilities that are so outrageous. And typically it's associated with some kind of impairment to the brain. Like, so, and they might have impairments in other aspects of their life. So we had this pattern of the brain is impaired in some way and the consciousness is enriched. We see that with the near-death experience. Also, uh, we see that with psychedelic research, which is still ongoing, but sometimes there are reductions in brain functioning associated with the heightened reality of the psychedelic trip. Another case is terminal lucidity patients. These are people like someone who has Alzheimer's disease, nearing death, might be within hours or days of death, all of a sudden snaps back into clarity, like totally normal what? memories back to normal. Oh, that's but so how is that possible if their brain is impaired, right? So something's going on that we don't get. Like they can remember everything, like who their son, who their son was again, when they were born, what car they had their first time. Everything Apparently just- they, st- they start having like normal conversations with family members and they're like, whoa, what's going on here? Yeah, you we've had, had Alzheimer's. Yeah, we've wow. had guests on come on and talk about that, about, you know, their father couldn't talk for months and then right before the end, they were just fully having a conversation about what they had experienced, so which was a near-death experience. So when Dana's sister passed away, she would go see her all the time at her, you know, at the, I, I wouldn't say it was, it was a hospice, I guess, but she would go see her and she would be out. And then out of nowhere, one time, she just gets up and goes, who are all these people in the room? And it was just her and Dana that were the only ones there. And I was just like, that fits everything I've heard. That's it. Fit everything I've heard. But, you know, but you said some really interesting stuff. And it's like, so is it kind of belief that the brain is the filter in which we must interact with this reality? The consciousness must interact with the reality of where we live, this what realm or whatever we want to call it? It seems to play a very important role in it. Whether there are other parts of the body that play a role too, I don't know. Maybe our whole body's a tuner, but the brain is a huge part of it. And the way I think about it is like, if you can compare the brain to an antenna, which isn't precise, but it's, it's somewhat of an analogy. It's almost like right now we're tuned into a certain TV station and the antenna could tune into a different station and we would be having a different experience, maybe a multidimensional experience somewhere else. But the brain is tuning us into certain frequency i guess where we experience earth at this place in time so so is it possible and you there's no i don't know if you could answer this but i feel like it's an interesting question is it possible that our brains were created by whoever whatever created this thing that we live in uh to make it so we can't totally unlock all the secrets of the universe purposefully so that we can enjoy this situation, right? Like there, you know, it's almost like the old saying, ignorance is bliss, right? It's like, you know, it's like, I used to have a joke about that. where like, I, I'm not super smart, but I'm just, I'm not dumb enough to enjoy everything too, right? Like you just <laughs> a little bit of intelligence that I understand or what's going on. No man's land. Instead of just being like dumb enough to be like, WrestleMania, man. Like you listen to WrestleMania, like pro wrestling radio and just be like, this is my jam. You know, nothing against people like that, but there is just a bit like the enjoy the simple things. Or when uh, they used to tell you, you only use 10% of your brain. Yeah, like, Remember that saying when he was like, oh, it's only 10% of your brain. You got to unleash it. And you're like, how do they, yeah, yeah. That's, that's an, how would they know that? I, I'm not smart enough. But I think that's amazing. What are your thoughts it on is, that? Yeah. 
Yeah. The short answer is I'm not sure. I mean, as you were talking, Sam, you reminded me of some of what I've read in Gnostic texts, um, like the Nag Hammadi scriptures, which were found in 1945 in Egypt in a jar. So these are from like fourth century AD or so. And the scriptures generally talk about a dark force that was suppressing humanity. And there's a quote that has stuck with me in, in one of the scriptures called the nature of the rulers. And it said that the rulers kept, I'm paraphrasing here, the rulers kept humanity in a state of confusion and a life of toil so that they would be preoccupied with the things of the world and not have time to be occupied with the Holy Spirit, (laughs) which is suggestive of a basically mind control. Now that's not exactly what you're asking, Sam, is like you're asking biologically, have we been tweaked so that we don't have access to the broader reality? Maybe. Um, The other side of it is, are we, are we blocked? Is this filter in place so that we can have learning experiences better? It's sort of like if you took a test and had all the answers to the test, you wouldn't learn the same way. So maybe the brain is purposely there and we have this amnesia of forgetting everything about ourselves so that we can learn better. Yeah, and not like cheat because we already know all the answers, right? And like to just yeah. have to go through this experience because well, we're here for this experience. Do you think some people have the cheat code? I think there's probably some people that are uh, figured it out or just for some reason was were able to connect with past experience, past lives, past answers. It's like when a kid is like, I'm four, I know piano. You're like, oh, what? Wow. Yeah. How do you, maybe in a past life, you just dominated piano. Dude, but why would you pick that? See, that's what I mean. There's, there's things but maybe where it's just, it just, it was I, his favorite thing. It's just the only thing that stuck with him. Uh, you know what, man? Maybe along the way, yeah. nothing is always perfect all the time, and someone gets a, a, a weird filter, and it just, these things get through. But, you know, going back to this jar, one more time, tell me the book that you were talking about because I find this so interesting. Yeah, it's called the Nag Hammadi Scripture, and it's a collection of writings. And in the, the introduction of the book uh, that I, that contains this, the scriptures that I have, the researcher talks about how um, – I believe his name is Robinson. Um, the, he talks about how these scriptures were left out of the New Testament. Yeah. I, I don't know if that's true, but you know that makes me more interested. If, why why were they hidden in a jar like that? Uh, is there some reality to it? Or at the same time, you never know what these writings. Is there a purposeful manipulation? Are there untrue stories in there just to confuse us? So so what you're talking about right now is something that I, I recently talked to my good friend, Brian Callen on, on our <laughs> other podcast about, it was about how I was watching this, this doc on Showtime called the four Kings. And it's about boxing sugar Ray Leonard, that whole era of all those great boxers. And what they did in this thing, they were talking about what was going on in boxing and juxtaposed it against the political times that were going on at the same time. And, and they're what they're talking about in the political atmosphere that they were talking about at the time, which was the eighties, right? Is, is high gas prices, inflation, a president no one has faith in drug problems, family problems, racial strife, ma'am. What does that sound like exactly right now? It's the exact same thing. So when you tell me these scriptures are like the the elites keep us confused so we can't connect with God, it just sounds like exactly what's going on right now and how these, these whoever they are, whatever they are, just keep using the same game plan over and over and over and over again. Yeah. 
It's possible. I mean, so to me, I, I've been asking that question so much because like in my first book in my podcast, I have all the scientific evidence in one place of not just the children with past life memories or the near-death experience. I'm talking like six Sigma statistical results of psychic abilities. And that means the odds against chance are more than a billion to one. And that's from Dr. Dean Radin, peer reviewed science, all this stuff. And I'm trying to, I'm thinking like, how is it, how could it be that I don't know about any of this stuff? And there are really smart scientists out there who will say, there's no evidence for this. And you look in the media or Wikipedia and they say it's all pseudoscience. So one of the explanations is, well, people just, they have a resistance to, to learning new things or to switching their paradigm. And some people don't want their egos to be hurt. So let's say you're a PhD and you spent your whole career doing the opposite of this. And these, these studies would challenge their theories and therefore they're going to push back against it. I think that might be part of it, but like what you're alluding to Sam is that there might be a darker, uh, larger force here. That's actually trying to suppress the knowledge. Keep us. I, I believe it's to keep us disconnected from source, from God, whatever the, the term you have for the higher power, 100%, you know, and it's just sometimes you get into this thing where it's like you want to believe all this stuff just went wrong and it's like very hard to digest. And then you go, well, what if it's that it's done purposeful? And it's really amazing how the pieces of the puzzle seem to click a little easier that way. And it just, it gets, it gets real hard to go. Are there people, psychopaths out there that are purposefully trying to lower your frequency and not connect you with God? I mean, so much of organized religion is just like these people put in positions and they're flawed because they're not God. They're human beings. And like, what does that do to your, your belief in the universe and God? Well, it makes you have a little less belief in them. Well, because that wasn't God. That was a man who said he represented or a woman who said they represented God. But you know, to the masses that just starts to erode the connection with God. And I think that becomes so much of what we're doing and like what has organized religion really done to our connection with God. Now that doesn't mean all organ everyone who practices organized religion is doing it for bad reasons, nefarious reasons or anything like that. No, that just me but the powers that be are you know it's like if we look at like how they control politicians through, you know, uh, these unsavior unsavory actions they take that they blackmail people with, right? And make us lose faith in our leaders. Why wouldn't they do that religion? Why wouldn't they this thing that's so important to you, which is this connection with your source. Now all these people that's kind of been you've been made to believe in the middleman. Now these people are really flawed. And you could even say hypocritical and liars. What does that do? Well, you lose faith, right? You just don't want to believe in God. And you start getting to this place where it's like, oh, God can't be real. All these bad things are happening. So I'm just going to believe they're in nothingness. And it's just easier because how do you challenge that, right? Yeah. Well, to me, there's two pathways of manipulation. One is the more atheistic path which is the one that I was on, which is everything's random and meaningless. And that's what science teaches us. You can try to create meaning, but you're just rationalizing. The other is religion, which at the core of the religions that I've looked at, at least they all talk about this one consciousness that we're all a part of. So I think there is a lot of truth depending on the types of scriptures and learning and teachings. Uh, but there's also likely manipulation within religions and people who are using it for power or money or other things. And that can take people away from the spiritual path too. 
100%. So, you know, you get into in your book, The End to the Upside Down Liberty. You talk about the dangers of government. What Can we get into a little bit of that? Yeah. Well, if we think about the life review from the near-death experience, this idea of there's a, a universal principle where we should try to move towards treating people well because we're all interconnected, moving toward unconditional love rather than away from it. There's a political um, principle that I talk about a lot in the book that many others talk about, which relates to this. It's known as the non-aggression principle, which is you don't initiate aggression against anyone's private property or their body. And if someone does it to you, you have a right to self-defense. And so to me, that it's a very simple principle and it aligns with spirituality completely. The problem is that the way we do government around the world is contrary to that. It violates the non-aggression principle constantly. And why is that? The way I, I like to think about it is the government provides services, no matter what country you're in. So whether it's military, police, road servicing, courts, the government provides services. But there are lots of other service providers in society. Like I had clients that I serve. There's, they're all over the place. Uh, but government has special privileges. Like typically with a service provider that you're, you're signing up for, you're hiring and you're the customer, you have a contract that you agree on mutually that explains what the service provider's obligations are, what happens if, if it fails to fulfill those obligations, how you can terminate, what the pricing structure is going to be, all these things. We don't have that with government. Yeah. We have this implied consent. And the problem is that means if we're not fully voluntary in what we're doing with our interactions with the government, even though we might agree sometimes, other times we might say, I don't want to do that. That violates my morality. You're forced to do it. And so to me, that violates spiritual principles. And in short, what I'm arguing is for voluntarism is the term to make everything into a true service provider where people are voluntarily interacting. I, I totally agree with everything you're saying. It, you know, I tell people, man, this is not about money. This is not about power because they have all the money and all the power. They can't. It's impossible. This is about spiritual war. And this is really about breaking your spirits, lowering your frequency, making you dumb, making you sick, making you unhealthy. These are all done to lower your frequency, man. And uh, just it's part of this journey that we're in. And it's really sad that we've had this mass psychosis, this mass hypnosis where people like they trust people they see on the television over their loved ones, their friends, their families, their coworkers. And it's just like, you know, I made these rules of the Ronin and it's like one of the rules is that you, man, you don't, you don't defend anybody you don't personally know or any action you didn't personally take a part of, you know, it's like that, that really gets you out of a lot of personal, a lot of arguing with people you love. I can't tell you how many people I know is like, I don't talk to my family anymore because of politics. I'm like, you're letting them win. That's the whole point. Like, you know, I don't want to get too much into the politics because I, I really love this conversation. Uh, but, you know, I have a best friend who just is like, he thinks January 6th was 9-11. Like, and, and I, when he basically said that to me, I had to make a conscious decision. Do I want this guy in my life or do I want to get in a big freaking fight with him over something that's not going to change the actual events that day? And I said, you know, I love this guy. He's been my friend for 20 years. I'm not going to get in an argument with him. Let him believe what he wants to believe and all that stuff. Because at the end of the day, I, I would miss him not being in my life. Even though we just have on this agreement right there, we don't agree on that one thing. 
But the challenge right now is we have people living in different realities, essentially based on the media that they watch, completely different realities trying to coexist. So it's, it's like you, you almost can't leave politics out of everything, out of, out of your conversations, because unless you're like talking on different levels, you can't even relate on certain topics. Mark, how did, how, how what, so this, this meme comes out, which shows that Joe Rogan by himself almost gets as much as the top eight legacy, uh, legacy media outlets. So, so if we see this is happening, right? Like th- their reach is less. Can you explain how it still seems with, with, with a collection of 11 million viewers, let's say if these numbers are correct, right? Maybe 11 million viewers listen to all of the legacy media on cable news together, right? How are they having such a grip on 370 million people that live in this country? If that's even the real number, you know, like how, 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 how is that? I'm trying to figure out how this is happening. Yeah, me too. The mind control is really strong. It takes a lot to overcome it. It takes energy. It takes effort. And it also takes a willingness to blow up your paradigm about how you look at the world. I mean, for a lot of people to accept that we're being deceived constantly by the media, by our governments, that our government is more like a predator than a protector, naturally. Like these are ideas that totally blow up people's worldviews that they believe their whole lives. That is really hard to accept. And I can say that from personal experience. So that's a barrier, number one, plus whatever the mind control tactics that are involved. And I talk about this in my new book, like MKUltra and Operation Paperclip, where the Nazis were brought over and Japanese were brought over, who are experts, were experts at torturing people and, and manipulating the mind. So there's, we're dealing with some really strong stuff that's difficult to overcome for people, no matter what alternative media is out there. I mean, well, we saw that video of Rogan where they changed his hue color. Yeah. To make yeah. him look a little green. That's straight up fucking with our yeah, brain. Where you're li- yeah, that's well, straight. Newsweek used to do it too, to like political candidates. Okay. I remember like John Edwards and uh, John Kerry and those guys would all, they made them look, I think the head the headline for them was the Sunshine Boys, yeah. you know? And then the Republican candidate, you know, McCain and then later Bush, uh, they made well, them look I mean, like evil. But I, I want to say, I people like my family, I think the reason that that, num- those numbers have a big influence, it seems like they have a big influence, is because you have... I think even the majority of people, like my family, who are politically off the grid, they aren't engaging with any of that. So they're not really registering to you. You know what I mean? But most of them are just living their lives, dude, farming and going to work. And they don't give a sh- They don't know when Joe Biden has a press conference. You know what I mean? Right, right. But my <clears throat> question is, are they watching the news? No, no. That's what I'm saying. So they're not. They're not registering for either side, so it's almost like they don't exist in this discussion. NPCs, right? yeah, my family are NPCs. Thanks, actually. No, in the world of politics, no, in the world of politics, they're just not. So keep trying. Go on. Well, the only thing that is kind of interesting. I think that's the way to live. I do too, man. I'm totally down with that. Is like when we go back to our episode with Peter. Shampoo, yeah. <laughs> uh, when he talks about how like Washington D.C. and all these really important cities are on these ley lines, and he talked about, and this might make, this might be it, like, and it, it and it makes more sense in ele- somehow eleven million people, are, 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 somehow people who have eleven million people reach are somehow manipulating three hundred and seventy million people because even even Johnny. 
at your your family's level, there had to be a moment of uh, we got to wear masks or you know, no, no, I don't know. nothing. I know they don't. No, they don't wear masks. They don't do no, anything. No, I'm, I'm with you. I go to those places, but like there are places like that that are way beyond the 11 million people. What if it is these ley lines that these certain places these 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 centers for ley lines are amplifications of a narrative through kind of just the grid of this planet. And that's why they put these certain epicenters on these ley lines. So it amplifies these things, whether we know it or not, want it to or not. And I, there's, I don't, there's no real comment on that. It's just a thought outside. Yeah. I mean, we're living in crazy times. Okay, go on. Yeah. Well, Sam, I want to add on to what you said. I'm open to that. I don't know if it's true, but like, who knows? Uh, But you're alluding to a broader point, which is, uh, manipulation of consciousness and and essentially a war of good and evil or dark versus light or unconditional love versus whatever the opposite is, is fear or hate and it's like if all reality is just consciousness then the states of our individual consciousnesses like the individual whirlpools are going to have an inf- impact on the entire stream so if you had a, a nefarious goal then you're going to want to try to steer people in a direction of fear and hate and division Rather, and you're going to want to amplify that rather than interconnectedness and unconditional love, for example. So that's where the battle is and getting people to shift their consciousness. And that's why I left my job and writing these books and doing talks is like, you never know when someone's going to hear a concept that opens the door for them. And when their consciousness shifts, we don't know the impact that has on the entire field. And I'll give an example. It's known as the butterfly effect. There was a meteorologist playing with, uh, assumptions and one of his assumptions was off by a decimal point and it, it radically changed his predictions the idea the, the analogy that's often used is that a butterfly flapping its wings in china can cause a hurricane in new york mathematically speaking and that's what we're maybe dealing with at the level of consciousness if we yes. can have positive consciousness shifts we can see drastic improvements and the f- reverse is true too if we can have a lot of fear and hate and division we can have a lot of negativity i totally believe in that dude I totally 100% believe in that energy you put out is energy you get back. You know, uh, you know, it's like, what is home corn advantage in a, in a sporting event? It is just, you have, I, I mean, m- most of your nets are the same, the same height. All It's that, you know, it's that from that famous basketball movie where they measure, it's like, look at Hoosiers, yeah. Hoosiers, right? It's the same thing, but man, what's different is your fans are there and they're putting positive energy into you, lifting you up, hitting you with energy when you're kind of thinking we're about to lose this thing, which helps you get momentum and, and beat the away team. That's exactly what that is. That is, to me, a butterfly effect as well, you know? And that just lets you know how important this area is. And just, you know, if we just take a look at like what has happened with COVID and, and like, the fear that everyone, everything that happened with that, starting with all these people dropping in China. And you remember they were like, oh, these oh. people got COVID, they dropped. Now, I personally think if they if they did gain a function, if you want to believe in the virus, okay, and there's gain of function, right? Why wouldn't they practice? Why wouldn't they test the vaccine there as well? And are we seeing people having these cardiac moments and dropping like we've seen with soccer players and all these videos that one nurse gets the uh, vaccine, she instantly drops? Well, uh, That's it, possible, right? Doesn't every country have their own vaccine? Because 
Isn't Russia supposed to be the good one? Then yeah, Germany but, has but, they, but the but the point is, that it, like, it gets kicked off by these 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 videos of people dropping in the yeah, streets. The China ones. Yeah. What help kick off this hysteria, which is just fear, more fear, fear, you know, and then this led to the complete other acceptance of eroding of our liberties. What are your thoughts on that? Mark, it's that's a huge problem in the world today. It's why I wrote the new book and end upside down liberty is that we are seeing quote unquote emergencies being used to say, okay, that's an excuse to take away your rights. We have this emergency. We need to keep you safe. And some people believe that, that, that those experts have their best interests at heart. And what we're seeing repeatedly, though, is that the, the liberties are eroding. We're much less free than we were two years ago. And things are not getting better in terms of like the total number of cases are exploding, for example. Um, so that's top of mind for me these days is, is our individual liberties. And why do I care so much about that? For me, it's from a spiritual lens in addition to a physical lens. I mean, in the worst case scenario, you have places like North Korea, Nazi Germany, uh, Soviet Union, where people are actually enslaved in a much more uh, visible way than they are in the U.S., although we're heading in that direction very slowly. Um, that's more of the physical enslavement. But I, I worry from a spiritual lens. If, if we're here to evolve at some level, like our, our consciousness, our soul, our whirlpool is having learning experiences, the way I think about it, based on my research, is that we need to have freedom and liberty to experience life and take risk in the way that we see fit because then we're going to have a greater learning experience and we might make a lot of mistakes. That's part of our learning. So it's not about like zero COVID, for example, of all of a sudden they're going to take this one thing and say, we're going to remove all risk and take away your rights in order to do it. To me, that's very disturbing because it's taking away people's ability to take risk on their own terms. Yeah. It's, it's super interesting, man. It's super interesting about people's reactions to, you know, uh, this whole situation, uh, how there are, you know, people like, oh, it's, uh, it doesn't feel like Nazi Germany around here, but you're like, no, but there are signs that things are like, show me your passport. Sounds a lot like show me your papers, right? Uh, New York st straight up had legislation in a bill that was going to allow the governor just to take you and throw you in a camp without papers that was real legislation. And I, I, and just, you know, the old saying was people would rather have safety than freedom uh, because I think they always think they'll get freedom back. And like Joe Rogan said, they never give it back. Once they take something away, you're still going through airport security because of a shoe bomber. That's why I don't think that the Lakers show will never ask you for your mask, even if they don't give a fuck or the Dodgers. They're I always going to ask. Just bring your mask. We don't want you to wear it. Just, just wear it. When you walk in, can you please put on your mask? Oh. For, for them to tell you, for them to take that, give, give you that right back, I don't know. I, I, I had to go to a flea market, and they asked me for my vax and the mask to be outside. There was no in, no need to. But, of course, you're like, I'm already here. Like, I already made not never going again. But I was already there, so I was like, here you go. Yeah. It's, Here's the one with my name on it. They don't even care. Some guy's making 15 bucks an hour. They don't care either. Yeah, it's kind of crazy, isn't it, man? Just like free, you know, uh, safety over freedom, and it's just like, are you, 
I mean, like, I, I would just say if you're someone who's always been a conformer, because I've never been that. Uh, my whole career is when everybody's, you know, zagging, I'm zigging. I'm a zigger for sure, you know? So uh, I never followed it. But, like, ha have you gotten anything you asked for by complying? Have they given you anything? Is there anything that makes your life better? I mean, like, you're getting COVID. You're, you know, they're shutting down everything here. Open it up, shut it down. Open up, shut it down. And what did you get out of this? Nothing. You, you have, you know, and people can talk about social credit scores being some right wing, uh, you know, wet dream of uh, horror. But, you know, it's like you have people in the NBA who are not being allowed to play because of health and protocol. So that is directly to that they were next to someone who got COVID. That is social credit score. What's happening right now, and I think it's Yale, is it, with the with the transgender swimmer? Is that where it is? Uh, her, her teammates are upset that this is happening, but none of them can come forward because they do not want to be called transphobic. You, 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 Penn. They don't want to be called transphobic. That's social credit score right there. It's, it, it, it's already here. It's this mass mind control, extreme collectivism. I mean, any thoughts on that, Mark? Yeah. Well, one, one of the, things that I think is being lost when people make analogies and comparisons to like Nazi Germany, people tend to get very upset sometimes when you make that comparison. Those sorts of totalitarian regimes don't happen overnight. That's the key to remember is that there are baby steps of erosions to liberty that we have to be mindful of and, and nip it in the bud. So when these things are happening, like you guys are all des are describing, these are steps along the way to totalitarian control. I hope we don't get there, but we're in that direction. So there has to be an awareness and an ability and a willingness to not conform in the face of things that are clearly immoral. And that's maybe the test for humanity. Are we going to be able to discern good versus evil? Number one, because I think a lot of people are supporting things that they don't realize are evil. And number two, are, are we going to be able to set boundaries and say that there is this coercive force, which is the government that we don't have an explicit contractual relationship with. And yet it is ruling our lives in ways that we didn't ask for. I, I just see, you know, this this thing with BlackRock. I heard Robert Malone talk about it. We've been talking about it on here forever, which is, you know, environmental, social, and they call it governance, but it's corporate governance, which lets you know where they want us to go. And the manufacturing of all of these different um, just uh, uh, divide and conquer that's going on. Like it's all manufactured to get us all to fight with each other, just like, you know, what was found in the jar, right? Which is, you know, get them fighting with each other so they can't connect with God. And that's all this stuff. And like everything I learned in, re in recovery, everything in pop culture right now is the exact opposite and what we're talking about consciousness right now universal consciousness that sounds like all lives matter but they weaponize that as well so you now everybody's trying to just use scarcity to keep their power to themselves and it's like that's not what the universe is about that's not how we're supposed to operate like how long you think till the government gives you a vr set to join the metaverse come on you, you it oh, used to cost money now we'll, we'll once we'll you're in give the metaverse it free. it's over this is psyops yeah. on psyops go on mark what were you yeah say? well it's a way to steer consciousness for sure I, i'm worried about all the same things because 
it's happened so quickly. It's unbelievable. I mean, even since we last talked, Sam, it's been like a year and a half. What's now versus then in terms of the, the way our lives are being controlled. And it's different by country. Some countries are scarier than others, but it's not moving in a positive direction. And maybe the restrictions will slow for a little bit, but we're moving in a direction of less freedom. So um, if everything is consciousness, then a big part of this experience, I think, is to wake up and to shift away from a mentality of just trusting authority and, and asking questions and moving towards this idea that we're free beings, no matter what's happening around us. Yeah, I totally uh, 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 agree with that. And it just seems like the people who want to trust authority, trust science, trust all that stuff. Listen, dude, I, I have zero problems with, with, believing in science as long as you're willing to actually look at the data right i mean like look at the data who funded it what you know what were the actual what was the actual data and is that the proper conclusion most people don't want to do that because it's work and it's hard and it's just and you're super spread thin and you just don't want to do that and you're a trusting person so you trust, I, I, I just want to find out what's going on in the world. I'm going to trust this hour on television because I wouldn't lie to people. Therefore, these people won't lie to people. But those people are collecting checks and they're just yesing no matter what. Yeah, yes, 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 yes. It doesn't matter because the, they have to nod as quick as they can because the check is connected. I think that was a huge downfall from the pandemic, people being able to stay home and actually go on the internet. I, that might that be, was a huge downfall. There, they're like, damn, think, we did not expect these people to have nothing to do all day. Well, no, the, well, that was part of the to get you to be unhealthy was less sunlight, less working out, less talking to others. But what happened was, it's just like the internet for whatever it is. Did it get away from them? I don't know. But the end of the day, it's a permanent record, and it gets real hard to keep pulling the same game plan over and over again when we have a you know footage of you doing what you did. Just this, whether it's a couple years ago, five years ago, 20 years ago, right? Yeah, it's not like the old days where we had yeah. to look in textbooks or it was in black and white. Now we got it in 4K yeah. color. You yeah. know, we see you yeah. lying. And we live through it. Just seems like everything's been sped up so much. Mm. We're experiencing these things, whether, you know, the Iraq war, weapons of mass destruction, fast forward all the way to Iran attacked our drones. You're like, come on, dude. We, we've seen this game plan before. Yeah. Well, Sam, I want to continue on what you said about trust. I think it's such an important concept, not only from a conventional perspective, but from a spiritual perspective, too. It's known as discernment in spiritual traditions of being able to discern the wolf in sheep's clothing to recognize that it's not actually a sheep. And so I think we're going through a, a spiritual discernment lesson on a collective level for sure. Um, but I want to tie this to the notion of government, too, because if we think about why do we have government in the first place, you think about the early philosophers like Hobbes. They said, well, we need to have this Leviathan state because human beings are essentially not trustworthy. They're warlike. They're stupid. They're irresponsible. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to take a subset of that group of stupid, irresponsible and warlike people, and we're going to put them in power, non-contractual power over the rest of everyone else. But don't worry about it, because the people who are not trustworthy, they're stupid and irresponsible and warlike, they're going to elect those people. 
So if you think about the, the there's a, I mentioned this because there's a tendency to trust government more than the population. That's what I've noticed. Yes. It's like, well, they're government rather than the people, but government is a subset of the people. Why would you trust them more? And they're in a position of power and it's a magnet for psychopathic personalities who love power and people are transformed by power and they can actually change. So it's like, it should be the reverse. We should be skeptical. And so that's where I, I think there's a lack of discernment on a large scale. I completely agree with that, dude. I completely, you know, it's so interesting. It's like, so, so if I told you, if you said this to most people, Hey, politicians are corrupt. People would be like, yeah, they're totally corrupt. Duh. That's the dumbest statement ever. We all know that. <laughs> and then you go, Hey man, the people from your party are corrupt. Dude, whatever, bro. You think whatever, man, you're just a stupid, uh, either social justice warrior, or you're just a stupid, uh, a right wing, uh, conspiracy theory, whatever it is. It's like unbelievable how this, like, you know, like from the matrix, they call it like it, it, you become agent Smith, right? You just transform into this other entity that just is like, wants to fight back and control you. And it's like, it's like crazy how people just like the whole movement was to make us as mo emotional as possible. How emotional can we get? So now it's like, it's not even about facts. It's not even about, about what someone did. It's who they are is more important than what they did. And if they're on your side, you're willing to look away from what they did. If they're on the other side, you're, you are just going to raise hell until you get a head on a stake. And it's just like, it's all emotional. There are no facts anymore. There are only emotions, which is like spiritual right there, right? It's a consciousness shift. It's getting people to, to be divided. And it's a us versus them mentality. If you're not with us, then you're automatically on the other side. And what I'm hoping to do with my new book is to try to transcend that, which is really, it's about freedom versus enslavement. It's not about right versus left because right and left are, just different ways of imposing your views on the other side through government. Whereas if we're really free, then people should be able to do, they might have a more liberal lifestyle or a more conservative lifestyle personally, and they should be able to do that on private property that allows it rather than trying to force people to do things. And we're getting caught up in this right, left and wanting to force people way too much. It's, it's super. So I, I, we're coming to the end here, but I just wanted to say that like you brought up this thing about, Oh, Man, there's gonna. We need a small group of people to run everything, to run these people because we can't trust them. So I'm reading Tragedy and Hope right now, and it's like insanely dense. Like, you know, I, I flunked first grade. I have to read the page, the paragraph, and go, "What did I just read?" And but it was really breaking down how important the agricultural revolution was. And for the first time ever, you would go from 20 people. 20 people, like if it would take 20 people to grow food, enough food to feed 20 people. So what does that mean? That meant you were, you were growing your food for your people. That's what it was. And then out, out of nowhere, someone developed a way to grow way more food with way less people. Okay. So now you, instead of having 20 people growing food for 20 people, you had five people growing food for a hundred people. And that allowed the 95 other people to go and be able to create other industries, which leads into the industrial revolution. But what that also did was allowed those people who controlled the food 
to create an industry of control, right? And that is from security of protecting the farms and the, and the commerce that comes with that. And that becomes very powerful. So now for the first time ever, we have a need for organization. And for the longest time now, we have been manipulating that, that process. And it's get more and more and we're, we're putting banking and all this stuff and all these laws and making up laws just to arrest you because now they make money off arresting you and putting you in jail. And it's like, Hey man, we got to get back to common sense, spiritual governing. What is right? What is wrong? Not is like not, not allowing the police force to vote on common sense drug laws because they know it's going to affect their budget you say get back to that when was the last time that was the dude standard? i mean like ever who knows yeah. who knows but we got okay we got to do that right i mean am i wrong am i talking i mean everything's all <laughs> fucked up the crops are fucked up with the monsanto's thing yeah right so what was that, that to me was the most fantastical thing i've heard today <laughs> was you talking that we might actually be able to, i don't i don't have a lot of faith that that can be done at any big level you know what i mean i think it's got to just come you got to do it for yourself like what's the most people you think can run run like that what run in a city like that where you're talking about all the crops are are managed by someone like how big of a city are you talking like i mean it's 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 basically after a while you can't handle it you can't well i mean the point is it's like you get you kind of get into this place where it's like there is less there, you, you, it's a libertarian kind of way of looking at stuff, right? Like live and let live, okay? And then if you don't operate in a spiritual way, you get dealt with. Am I wrong? What are your thoughts on that, Mark? Sam, you just basically described the, the thesis of my new book, and End Upside Down Liberty. You described it, which is it's not just the political, which I call voluntarism, essentially extreme libertarian, where everything is just service providers that you have a contract with, the government. Um, is dissolved into those service providers and people have their own property. But to me, that's insufficient. Just having the, the voluntarist perspective, which is super important, you need to have the spiritual as well. So in, in my book, I call it a metaphysical political philosophy rather than just a political philosophy of the spiritual mentality plus the extreme liberty of the voluntarism. I don't think it's going to happen tomorrow, but the question that I ask in the book is how should we organize society? And when I think about it from an ideal perspective, that's aligned with spiritual principles. It's got to be in this spiritual and libertarian direction. And right now we're in the opposite of that. So I think we have to start moving that way, even if we're not going to get there tomorrow of, of the ideal society. Yeah, I agree with you, man. It's like going to take time. And But I think what has to happen is like people have to be aware of what is going on and how we have to put an end to it, man. You know, like hypocrisy. I don't know how you deal with hypocrisy, but there has to be some kind of something, punishment for that. Treason. We have people committing right treason, you know, deception, stuff like that. There needs to be some kind of, there needs to be consequences for your actions when you don't act spiritually in the right way. All right. I mean, you should start with not wearing a mask at a fucking restaurant after you told everybody to wear a mask. Yeah, I mean, that's hypocrisy yeah, right there. Yeah, start off right there. There needs to be something. So, Sam, the way I think about that is um, basically voluntarism explains the 
the rights for society, that everything has to be fully voluntary. And there are rules on private property that if someone comes to your property, then they're going to have to agree to those rules. But that leaves a lot of individual liberty to do things. Like as long as you're not violating someone's property under voluntarism, you can do whatever you want. So some people would say, well, like with drugs, then people, everyone would be a drug addict because they would just, there are no laws to protect them. My view from the spiritual lens is that people on an individual basis, when they're making their own decisions, is they're going to be thinking about personal karma and spiritual principles and thinking about their life review. Do I want to do this? Is it going to harm my vehicle, which is tapping into this broader consciousness of intelligence or whatever? So the individual's decisions are made on the basis of spiritual principles under this idea, in addition to having these strong private property rights. Yeah, I, I, I totally believe that. I, I totally agree with that. You know, it's like my my opinion on sex and why I get really mad at the conspiracy uh, people who like start demonize gay people. It's like all you're doing is pushing people back into the closet, which allows people to manipulate them because they don't want that secret to get out. At the end of the day, it's like whatever you want to do sexually, you do it with consenting adults. As long as you're not hurting people, in particular children, I don't care what you do. I really don't. I'm not going to sit here and like flip flop on stuff based on uh, my feelings. I'm just not going to do mental gymnastics on that. I make very, very, very strict rules. Whatever you want to do with consenting adults, you can do. I don't care. I do not want the government telling me what to do. But my body, my choice across all things. Okay. Across all lines. I'm not going to manipulate it. Because it fits my narrative. That's where I am. I don't even want to hear what you're talking about. My body, my choice. My body, my choice. My body, my choice. Don't bring up this instance or or this thing or this moral thing. My body, my choice. End it right there. You do what you want spiritually. You deal with the ramifications of it. As long as you're not hurting other people, particularly in sex, as long as not children in particular, I don't care what you do. You do you and your privacy of your own home, and it's none of my freaking business. We've made sex. We've just so like just 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 weaponized sex as control. I mean, they do it all the time. We see it all the time on television. You know, you know, we like trans this, trans this, and then like Dwight Howard gets busted with a trans, and all they do is beat him down for it. And you're like, I thought we're supposed to be open-minded to these people being like this. And all you do is mock them. Let people live their lives. If somebody does something because someone does something, it's not because they're gay they're doing it. It's because they're an asshole who happens to be gay. Stop getting it. Stop allowing people to manipulate people for their secrets. Stop long, you know, there's a saying in recovery, you're only as dark, you're, you're only as sick as your secrets. Stop letting that be a secret. Let people live their effing life. It's the non-aggression principle. Do whatever you want as long as you're not initiating physical violence or extortion or coercion or fraud against someone's property or their body. It's a very simple principle that is, is aligned with spiritual principles. If people want to do things that actually cause harm to themselves in some way, then that's their personal spiritual learning that they're going to have to go through. But who are we to actually, like, we can try to help people, of course, but we can't, to tell people what they should or shouldn't do in their own lives, to me, violates spiritual principles. I completely and utterly agree. That's my take on drugs. Someone should not be in jail for doing drugs. If they steal something and get drugs, that becomes theft. 
That's not about drugs. It's okay? just like liquor. You can drink as much as you want as long as you don't drive. Yeah, the as long you drive, as you don't kill somebody, Yeah, the right? second you drive, you go to jail. Yeah. You can be drunk as you want at the bar as long yeah. as you don't drive. You should what? be able to do all the drugs as you want as long as you don't 100%, commit the crime. 100%, dude. Someone should not. I, like me, I've stopped being a drug. I mean, I'm always going to be a drug addict, but I've stopped using drugs. But if I went to jail for drugs, like for a long time, not just one night, but the long time, I'm a felon. It makes it almost impossible for me to write my life. I can stop doing drugs. I can a lot of times I can't stop being a felon. So outside of murder, uh, sexual assault, and like high high end thievery, I think you should be able to work off a felony. Show that you're no longer that person anymore, and get that dropped off you, so you can become a productive part of the of of America. I'm just yelling right. at you guys at this point, Mark. I well, it, it goes along with the same principle, Sam, of a, a business owner should make that decision. <clears throat> they should look at the employee and say, is this a person I want to hire? And they make that decision rather than having a third party that they didn't agree to telling them who they can and can't hire, for example, or what that person can and can't do in society. I completely and utterly agree, man. I completely and utterly agree. It's like we need some common sense laws going on here. And I think we're, I think people are more and more uh, opening their eyes to what's going on. And, you know, but, you know, my biggest thing is like, I ain't, I ain't here to wake up sheep. I'm here to wake up sleeping lions. And I'm not even about sleeping lions. I'm just here to take care of those, my family around me, my friends. And that's about it. And, you know, treat people well, use the non aggression principle in every aspect of my life. So I'm down, Mark. It was I, I. Every time I talk to you, I I I leave here on a higher frequency, and uh, I'm super thankful. So one more time, can you please tell them uh, where they can find you and any links you'd like them to check out? Sure, and thanks again for having me, Sam. It's Anytime, always fun dude, chatting you're with always you. Welcome back. Thank you. Uh, my website is my name, markgober.com, M-A-R-K-G-O-B-E-R.com. My books, uh, an end to upside down thinking, an end to upside down living. And an end upside down liberty. They're on Amazon and all the bookstores um, on Audible, Kindle, hard copy, and my podcast, Where Is My Mind, is on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and other major players. Marks, thanks for uh, joining us. I really do appreciate it. It was a wonderful show, and I think it's an important show. And we, I look forward to our next, um, our next conversation. I'm sure. In a couple of weeks, you'll have another book done and we'll be able to talk about that book because <laughs> uh, you're prolific. And uh, again, thank you for coming on. And I hope that all you guys uh, enjoyed the show, got a lot out of it. And I hope to see you in in Buffalo this weekend. And those tickets for Long Beach and Bakersfield are moving quick. I hope you can grab them. It's going to be a great time. We love you very much. Have a great week. Have a great weekend. And we will see you on the other side. Thank you. We go deep, homeboy. <laughs> Open your mind. <laughs> Drink from the fountain of knowledge. There's lizard people everywhere. <laughs> That's some interdimensional shit. <laughs> Wake up, Aaron. This is only the beginning. Dude, you just blew my mind. Tim foil hack. Tim foil hack. <laughs>